G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. The thing that really impacted me was when I was in year five, I had a gentleman teach me religious education. He actually was the sponsor, um, Mr. Bill Kelly. He sponsored my family over in 1972 to Australia. Uh, Once I got baptised, I really felt the need to teach religious education in year five. I just love doing it. You know, I get to impact 100 kids each year. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Last time we heard Gwenda Jawa Dennis share how she gave her life to Christ. Today, it's her husband PJ's turn. Actually, it was after seeing his wife's faith grow that he began to examine his own faith. He's led quite an international life. He was born in Sri Lanka, did his PhD in Thailand, and spent time doing research in the Philippines. We'll hear his life journey today as he has a chat with Shelley Scowan. PJ, you are Sri Lankan by birth. Uh, you spent the first seven years of your life there. Do you remember much about growing up in Sri Lanka? Uh, yes, yeah, I, I do. Um, uh, we lived in Colombo, and uh, one of the things with Sri Lanka is that um, a lot of dust and a lot of uh, insects, and just um, just remember all of that. Uh, and then I went back as an adult several times, so it's it brought back a lot of those memories. Um, I also don't speak Sinhalese, so when I left, my parents uh, got us speaking English because they knew they were taking us to an English-speaking country, so um, I never learned Sinhalese. But now, when I go back now, I pick up bits of the language, uh, and one of the most scary things is people see me and they talk to me in Sinhalese thinking I can speak it, and uh, that can be quite uh, daunting when you're there. Yes, um, and having to explain to them that you don't. So that's right. <laughs> I nearly got arrested once because um, during the height of the, the fighting, I was taking photos in uh, in Kandy, which is up up the north of Sri Lanka and north central Sri Lanka, and the military came and, uh, and grabbed hold of me because um, they were very worried about uh, people taking photos of government buildings and uh, wanting to blow them up. So, wow. And because I couldn't speak Sinhalese, that was all very awkward. Uh, but I was very fortunate in that my cousins came and sorted it all out for me. <laughs> <laughs> Any desire to learn it? Uh, not, No, not really a desire to learn it. I, I certainly enjoy picking up things when I go back. Yeah. Uh, but it is a, a very difficult language to learn because the, uh, the written... A script is is totally different to English. So it right. has no um, um, no visual recognition to an English uh, language. So it, it's it will be a lot fairly difficult for me now to pick it all up. Well, it is part of your heritage. Maybe put it on the to do list for one day. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> so you did move to Australia when you were seven with your parents, uh, and I guess went to did the normal Australian childhood and all the rest. But you have lived a fairly international kind of life. Uh, you've been all around the place. You did your PhD in Thailand. Was that, I guess, similar to Sri Lanka or very, very different? Uh, very different, actually. I was up in um, 
near Chiang Rai, which is near the Golden Triangle, where the, a lot of the opium is, is produced. So uh, very, it's a beautiful area up there in the context that it's very country uh, Thailand, so very different to the to um, the capital, um, and you know, really very enjoyable, but but totally different to Sri Lanka again because um, uh, just a cultural, totally different culture. Um, yeah, to Sri Lanka. What were you studying there? Studying obviously for your PhD. So what's that in? What's your field of work? Yes, I um, I was I'm an agricultural scientist, and I was doing a PhD on. Um, landslide and gully erosion so predicting where those would occur and so i had a study area in gatton college and then in the Lockyer valley and then i had a another study area in uh, thailand so i was sort of looking at both and trialing the the, um, the methodology that i developed and um, and it ended up working out very successfully i was going to say did you have an opportunity to test some of those theories with the Lockyer valley floods uh it was Yes, so look, the Lockyer Valley floods, I finished um, my PhD in 93, so uh, well before the flooding uh, in the Lockyer, but certainly a lot of that, um, the landslides that have occurred in the Lockyer Valley are very um, clear from, from what I had actually talked about as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like the um, scenery changes too much in that time, but certainly it was an amazing event that went through there back in 2011. So I guess one of the pivotal parts of your life, it was when you were in the Philippines, you were working there, and you saw some pretty amazing things there around Easter time that really affected you in a spiritual way. Uh, can you describe some of the rituals that they've got there? Yes, um, I lived in a, in a place called San Fernando, and in San Fernando in the Philippines, at Easter time, they do uh, real-life crucifixions. It's uh, one of two places, the other places in Brazil, and um, so while I was living in San Fernando, I went and attended one of these crucifixions where they put uh, six-inch stainless steel nails through people's hands uh, and they hang them on a cross as well. So it's just just something... Um, the Philippines is a very devoutly Catholic country and um, people do this as a penance for their sins or sins of their family. So it, it was a very... Uh, interesting time for me and a very challenging time because it made me sort of really question is this the faith I want to be a part of where um, people go to these sort of extremes uh, for forgiveness. So, so yeah, it was a very challenging time. The the crucifixions are one thing. The other thing is people um, hit themselves with wooden whips. So uh, they walk up and down the street um, hitting themselves with wooden whips. So again, for penance for for the sins of their family. Wow, so I guess that would cause you to go and examine your own faith and see if that's actually biblical and and um, whether you wanted to be a part of that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so so that was probably so that was in '93. So when I was working on Mount Pinatubo, the volcano that erupted uh, in '92. Right. Um, so um, it was a it was sort of a time of me rethinking things and considering things, but but I guess God didn't really fully speak to me till well after that, um, which I imagine we'll talk about too. But one thing that did come to me in, Thrilla, in um, the Philippines was um, God gave me a vision of a, of a pendant, which um, uh, I, I then created into a, into a pendant um, and gave to Gwenda when we got married. And um, uh, the pendant consists of three hearts, two hearts interlocking, 
which is the love of the couple, and a heart on, below with a cross in it, which is the love of God. So the three form our marriage. Um, so a marriage where you've got the couple and God all together. Mm. Yeah, and God is the centre of your marriage now, but you've both had an interesting journey. How did you get to the point of fully surrendering your life to Christ? Uh, yes, Shelley. So in um, 2003, after we've had uh, after we had a few children, we decided we um, wanted to find a church uh, for us to be able to go as a family. So we started looking around and we went to a whole lot of different churches and we ended up um, going to Bridgman Baptist Community Church uh, and that was at Easter time and it just seemed to be the right place for us. So um, we then journeyed at Bridgman and in terms of my faith, it started to grow. So I come from a Catholic background. Um, I was an altar server at, at, um, when I was younger and it was a very works-based approach that I took to my faith. Um, and I didn't really feel I had a personal relationship with Jesus. So so as I journeyed uh, further, I started realising that it, it's not about what you do, and it's it's about the grace of God that, that you're saved. So, so in 2007, uh, my wife Gwenda got baptised, and that made me start really looking into things and start looking at this, Jesus character as to well, you know what's it all about and is is it real? So um, so as I journeyed through that, um, I really I really felt God speaking to me and um, and you know John fourteen six coming clearly out. So um, when he spoke, when Jesus, you know, it's like he spoke directly to me, saying, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." So. Um, so yeah, I then realized that I, I needed to change my view of God and change my view of Jesus and um, and really start start looking at it as a personal relationship. And I at that point, I gave my life to Christ as well and uh, got baptized in 2008. Your life these days is pretty much about helping others and some of that is rooted back in uh, the poem that you learnt back at high school of uh, St. Francis's Prayer. I guess that had a bit of an impact on your life. Yeah, absolutely. I yes, I was educated by the Franciscan brothers at Padua College, and um, you know we I knew Saint Francis's prayer, and I, I um, you know I, I knew of it, but it really didn't connect with me till after my baptism, pretty much. And um, and now when I I use it every every week, I teach RE religious education at school, and it's one of the prayers that the kids say at the beginning or at the end of the lesson. So um, I find a very, very powerful prayer uh, because it just helped me connect with really what the journey is. Um, and if you'd like, I, I might even read it out. If that's, uh, I was going to say it probably would be helpful for those of us that aren't familiar with the prayer. Can you read out this right. prayer that you're talking that's, about? Yeah, I would. I'd, I'd love to. So it's, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, and where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. A divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to console, to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Mm. 
it's powerful, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's, it's a really, um, yeah, when you really think of those words, you just realise, you know, the, the journey is, is so rich in terms of, of experiences. Mm. And, um, and and really, you know, dying dying is, is a beginning in, in so much, you know, when you win. It's in dying that we're born to eternal life. So that's that's really the the most exciting part of all of this. Mm. In that, uh, once you've got a relationship with Jesus, um, your life doesn't end at that point. You know, there's a, there's an eternity there. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the story. Today, Shelley Scowen is having a chat with Dr. PJ Jaywadena. We've just heard how he came to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Next, we're going to hear about the outworking of his faith in different ways in his life. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is having a chat with gifted business owner, Dr. PJ Jaywadena. We've heard before the break how he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now we're going to hear about his passion for providing for the poor and helping people experience true financial and spiritual freedom. You're heavily involved in a handful of other Christian organisations, some of which you've set up yourself as well. Let's start with Crown Financial Ministries. You're one of the directors there. uh, And I've actually done the Crown course, and I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It was fantastic for us. We did it when we were engaged, and it was just such a great founding for us to make sure that we were on the same page in terms of what the Bible says about financial matters. Uh, But for the uninitiated, can you explain to us what Crown Financial is all about? Yeah, Crown um, looks at the biblical view of money and finance. So it's, we really run it as, as a foundation for life. So it covers a whole range of, of areas uh, from uh, the personal finances to um, seeking counsel to teaching your children to work to honesty to saving to giving uh, to contentment, salvation and eternity. So it just a, covers a whole broad range uh, and all straight biblical content we've used in Crown. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the thing I enjoyed about it is that it really was about so many different aspects of life. One that sticks out for me is integrity and where you get your advice from. And we were just diving into the Bible all the time, just finding all these verses and even verses that you'd previously kind of glossed over. And then you realize in the context of financial management and even where our heart is, it really just makes you see things in a whole new light. Absolutely, yeah. one of the most exciting things with the Crown is that awareness that um, that the money we have is not ours. We're just mm. stewards for the money and stewards for everything that we um, we look after. And it's really all God. So if we have that attitude to it, um, everything becomes much easier because we're not hoarding things. Uh, we're using it in the way that God wants us to use it. Yeah. It certainly becomes a big, uh, quite an exciting journey, actually. 
Yeah, it really yeah was an amazing thing for us to do. As I say, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Uh, and it's just part of what you're you're uh, really keen on too, is just helping people to experience the freedom that comes with having your finances under control. Yes, no, that's right. Um, one of the directors was saying to me the other day that um, uh, somebody had said to him he was going to be in a healing ministry and he was doing some crown stuff and, and it suddenly hit him that that you know, financial problems are like a cancer and uh, his role is to help people in terms of their financial um, financial woes and uh, using the crown material, um, he could then see that, you know, God had given him a healing ministry. So, yes, it's, it's a very exciting area, the crown area. Yeah. You're also involved in Darren Lewis's work with Fathering Adventures. We've uh, talked to Darren Lewis a few times here on Vision and he's really doing a great work. Your own kids, though, are teenagers now, so I guess you're discovering the importance of developing your relationship with them as they enter adulthood? Yes, uh, we are. I've really enjoyed my journey with Darren. It's been uh, quite a few years um, and... I've now taken all three of my kids on a Fathering Adventures weekend and uh, it's been an incredible foundational journey for us. Um, one of the things Darren taught me was that kids uh, look at love as T-I-M-E, so time. So it's really based on the time you spend with them. And um, I've now made intentional one-on-one time with each of my kids and also with Gwenda, my wife, because you know each of the people need that one-on-one time with me and and I need that with them as well to help start building and and and, and strengthening that individual relationship um, I feel it's it's um, paying dividends now my eldest son is 15 he's uh, bigger than I am he's <laughs> taller than I am and he's heavier than I am and stronger than I am so I'm very blessed that I started this journey when he was 10 and uh, we've got a very good uh, relationship and um, and that's just made life a lot easier I think yeah absolutely you do love teaching religious instruction in the schools what do you love about it I love uh, the most um, the thing that really impacted me was when I was in year five I had a gentleman teach me religious education he actually was the sponsor um, Mr. Bill Kelly, he sponsored my family over in 1972 to Australia. And uh, and we, Sri Lankans call older people uncle, so I've always known him as Uncle Bill. And uh, so Uncle Bill had a big impact on me when I was in year five. And uh, once I got baptised and, and God really put in my heart a ministry opportunity, I really felt the need to teach religious education in year five. And I've been doing that for almost, nine years at Ashbleese now and uh, I just love doing it you know I get to impact a hundred kids each year and um, just it's just such an exciting opportunity to speak God's word and to make uh, people aware of that they have a God that loves them that loves them individually and uh, and that's all clearly laid out in the Bible so it's it's a really exciting and um, rewarding experience because you just see it in kids' faces when they connect with that journey and they realise that there is somebody who loves them and, mm. uh, and they're not on their own. So, and it yeah, really no, is doing it. It really is such a privilege that we have that we've currently got the freedoms to be able to go into schools and we really should be taking advantage of that, uh, getting into schools and teaching kids about the love of God. 
Yes, look, we we do, we we should do that, and and you know, there are, I don't in your audience, there's probably people out there who who really um, would love to do this. I would encourage them to go and seek out their local school and and whoever's coordinating the religious ed- education because uh, it is a, a real blessing, and it's a two way blessing. So it's not just one to the kids, but you get blessed uh, beyond uh, beyond words, you know, because the kids. Uh, you know, as, as tough as some of them are, they all um, appreciate you being there and they appreciate that um, some of the things do end up sticking and, and I think as they walk away and knowing that they have a, a God that loves them is something that they, um, I pray, will um, germinate in time and give them an opportunity to uh, to seek a relationship with that God. Mm. You also spare a thought for kids that are doing it tough financially and can't afford to get some of the basic things to be able to go to school? That's right, yes. Um, we're involved in the MIC Foundation and it's a not-for-profit charity which provides material for kids to be able to go to school. So um, so principals or teachers or chaplains will write to us uh, or email us um, asking for financial support and... Um, we then look at that and we do it through a scholarship system so we would cover all of the uh, material for a child to go to school as a scholarship and uh, cover cover that for that particular year so uh, it's been a it's been really good it, it comes from um, Jesus's so the me I see is from from uh, the Matthew verse um, uh, whatsoever you do for the least of my brothers that you do for me so um, we just worked off that and we um, We've just found God's been great in that, in that people are donating to that. It's a tax-deductible charity, so you can donate to it, and uh, the money is then used specifically uh, for um, providing materials for kids to go to school. Yeah, and it's such a great ministry. I mean, I guess here in Australia we tend to think of having this free public education, but it really does still cost a whole lot of money to go to a public school. Yeah, look, it's a great opportunity, and... And education is so foundational for a kid. Um, if you can give them the materials they need, um, they then go into that school environment confident and uh, having an opportunity to do something. Um, we dealt with a lot of kids in um, North Queensland and, um, you know, one kid was so excited that we had provided all these pens and things. She, she actually wrote on toilet paper to uh, thank us because that was all the paper she was she had ha- had access to at the time. So, so you know, there's kids will, you know, they thrive when you've given what they need. So, so yeah, we're very excited at the, being able to do that. Mm, that's amazing, uh, PJ. There are so many strings to your bow. We could really talk to you about each of those things at length. But it's been great to get a bit of a snapshot into the amazing things that you are doing in the community, and to get a bit of, uh, I guess, your testimony as well. The interesting things that uh, God has led you through to get to this point. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us this morning. Thank you, Shelley. It's been a real pleasure. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Dr. PJ Jaywadena, the husband of our guest last time, Gwenda. And it was great to hear about the outworking of their faith in various ways in service to their local community. As the Bible says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love 
one another. Specifically, we heard how PJ has a passion for helping people gain financial and spiritual freedom. The resource he and Shelley mentioned is called Crown Financial Ministries, which takes a look at gaining control of your family's finances from a biblical perspective. To learn more, their website is crown.org. That's www.crown.org. Well, thanks for joining us for PJ's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I set out to learn the Thai language from within the first couple of months of arriving in Thailand. And a dear friend in the first Thai church that I joined up with, he recommended to me now, Russ, he said, if you are serious about learning the Thai language, you really need to concentrate on learning to read and write as well. And that was really quite a challenge. Russ Kennelly was a successful pilot when God led him on a different career path. Previously, he has taken people to various places in his planes, but now he would be leading people on a journey of faith during his time as a missionary in Thailand. We'll hear his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 